Hallelujah. It's just truly, truly a blessing to serve a God like this who is good all the time. He is righteous in everything that he does. And as we think about his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, can you not just think about how far you've come? How he's been so good to us, better than we ever been to ourselves. Even on our best day, God's shown have been better than that. And, so, and check this out, even on our words, that he's still the same God. Isn't it good to know that no matter what we do does not change who he is? That he is good all the time. And because he is good all the time, just think about how he does not truly make any mistakes. Everything he does is righteous, just, and true. And so with that in our mind, it's, it's, it's able to be sobering to us to know that when situations happen in our lives that we don't know the answers to, we know God. And he knows all the answers because he knows all things. And everything he does is good. In Colossians, we, we, we talk about this good God and because of who this good God is, how we then should react. We're picking up the same kind of theme that Paul writes in Galatians, the fifth chapter, when we read about the fruit of the Spirit. And after, I'm sorry, before the fruit of the Spirit, there's a text that tells the works of the flesh are made obvious. And, and it's making sure that we understand that after we understand the works of the flesh, that we truly understand the fruit of the Spirit. And when we look at what the fruit of the Spirit is, we find out that it is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is patience, it is kindness, it is goodness, it is faithfulness, it is gentleness, it is self-control. And when we look at this, it helps us to understand that, oh, I like that. Those are things that are attractive. Those, think about those qualities, the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the characteristics you would like to have in a friend. But if you look at the works of the flesh beforehand, it says that those are adulterous, there's a sexual immorality, they are robbers or murdered and thieves. Those are not the ones you want your friends to have because then you couldn't trust them. You don't know what they will do because you know how to say, right? If they will lie, they will steal. <laughs> and if they steal, they will lie. So if they are doing one of them, you say they're probably doing both. But yet here it is that we are called by a good God, and he wants us to be good. And so Colossians 3rd chapter, verses 12 to 13, those who have God's word be able to stand in honoring of reading of God's word. I'm going to look at verses 12 to verse 15, reading from the New Living Translation. Those who may have the Bible app, you can join our live event and follow along with the sermon notes right there as well with the text. Colossians 3rd chapter, verses 12 to 13. The Word of God reads this way. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, 
For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them gentleness, fruit of the spirit. Tell your other neighbors so they don't feel left out. Talk to them too. Say gentleness, fruit of the spirit. Look how he opens it up. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Since God chose you. Think about what it means to be chosen. Think about how the supreme, holy, everlasting, all-powerful God chose you. Think about how when he chose you, you were not in a good situation. What do you mean I was not in a good situation? When he chose you, you were still in sin. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. You understand that he, in his choice of us, he chose to die for us. You know, he could have made another choice. He could have said, that's a wrap, game over, see y'all in hell. Y'all quiet on me. If, if you go back and look at Moses bringing them out of the wilderness, there was a time of many times, but one time in particular, when God got mad at them because Moses was spending time with God on the mountain, getting the tablets written in stone by the hand of God. He gets done with his work, and Moses is coming down, and he sees the racket and noise because God told him, what's your people doing down there? Moses said, what do you mean, what are they doing down there? Moses starts going down, sees his brother that made a golden calf people going crazy worshiping a calf this is what he says this is what Aaron says here are the gods that brought you out of Israel when God saw this he let Moses know I'm about to rack it's a rack they're all done I'm about to get them all out of here and now I'm going to start with you Moses to be my new people God made a choice says you know what Moses, I am going to punish them for disobeying me. They're not going to make it into the promise. But Moses said, Lord, Lord, have mercy. Please, 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 please don't banish them all. But God said, all right. But they still won't make it to the promise. <laughs> Check it out. God gave mercy upon them. He could have said, that's a wrap, game over, you have no choice. But yet their seed got to inherit the promised land. And they were grateful for that. What does that mean? It means this, that think about over your life, because how much of, of, of the sin we have in our lives, God could have said, that's a rap game over, you're dead, going to hell, you're not going to get any blessing. But because of his grace, because of his mercy, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us, that we might know his mercy, that we might know reconciliation, that we might know healing. Gentleness. You understand gentleness? What is gentleness? Gentleness basically means this. Gentleness is basically, I will be soft and kind to you, and not harsh or angry towards you. What does that mean? It means this, that if you want to know if you are gentle enough, check how many people come to you with their problems. If you are gentle, they can come to you, no, you won't push them away. But if you are not gentle, they will stay away from you with their problems. No, you're going to add on to their problems. And, and they don't need additional stress. They're trying to remove stress. That's why Jesus says, come to me, 
all you are heavy laden and burdened. For my yoke is easy and my, my, my burden is light. It says, come and send to my teaching. I am gentle and I am meek. You understand? Gentleness shows us that God being gentle makes it easier for us to come to him with our troubles, with our trials, our situations. Think about how when you go to somebody, you don't want them to tell you how bad you are. You already know that. You want somebody at least find some goodness in you to say, Here, here's some good things about you. Work on this. Because if it truth be told, every time we go before God, God can let us know, I saw you last night. I'm just going to let that sit for a moment. Now, now that you've got your guilty conscience on you now, like, what did he see? He saw that. <laughs> but yet, when you come before him, you just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy. God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness when we confess to him. Why? Because he is gentle. Tell your neighbor, God is gentle. God is so gentle that in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, talks about how he is leading them. Now, Isaiah, context here. Isaiah is speaking to hard-necked, stiff-headed, backsliding people, and God still loves them. Gives them a prophet to speak to them about the love of God and how he's going to deliver them. And in this deliverance, he says to them, I am like a shepherd that will carry you in my bosom and and be gentle with you and lead you to the promise. Why is that? Because God is gentle. Even when we are far from him, even when we're in rebellion, he still thinks, how can I be more gentle to my people? How can I meet their needs? Do you understand that when God is coming after us, he's looking to attract us, not to push us away. Gentleness is attractive. Gentleness brings us closer. So that's why when we think about the gentleness of God, we, we look at Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, the verse 30, it says this, that come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Jeremiah 10, 24, and the, the writer writes, So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. You see how we understand because of God being gentle, we can come to him. Mm. And he can restore us and build us up. And so since God has chose us to be his holy people, we must clothe ourselves. And one of the parts of the garments that we clothe ourselves is gentleness. So how do we be gentle? Good question. Well, first thing about to be gentle is learn how to forgive. Mm. Y'all quiet on me. That's all right. You see that right there in Colossians. It says that be gentle, then it also says forgiving one another. You understand that the fruit of the Spirit begins with love. And when, you, when we want to define love, us being so spiritual and biblically sound, we always go to 1 Corinthians 13 for love. You know, we, you, know you want to know what love is. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. But we sometimes forget what love says. What it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love forgives much, forbears much. Because when we talk about love, it seems like we don't forgive a lot of people. I got a few more people with me. Because when you forgive people, you don't always tell them what they have done. Mm -mm. Love does not keep account of wrongs. Mm, Got a few more people with me here. 
So when you realize that when somebody loves you and they forgive you, they don't remind you what you have done wrong. They don't keep record books, but they learn to be gentle. How is that? Let me help you out. Sometimes when you get with some people and they always got a snappy comeback, they got issues of being gentle. They know how to say hard things and say them right away because gentleness is not in them. How is that? Think about it. How, how you can think about some of you might have been saved long enough that you, found, you find yourself to be a little bit more gentle than you used to be. Because back in the day, you were that one that soon somebody says something smart to you, you said something right back to cut them lower. But now by the grace of God, when they cut you low, you, you for some reason can't come up with a snappy comeback. And the problem is that you think there's something wrong with you. Oh, I wasn't clever enough. I wasn't smart. No, that was God working in you. Yes, you feel embarrassed. Yes, you feel knocked down. But yet God's proud of you because you was able to hold your tongue. Now, the other person's walking away and say, I got them. I told them what's what. But God said, I like your heart. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we are gentle, we are able to let people say nasty stuff to us, and we're able not to say nasty things back to them. Why? Because we're able to forgive them. We're not only gentle in forgiveness, but we're gentle in communication. Let me help you out, because this is what had helped me out to learn how to be gentle, was Proverbs 15 and 1. Proverbs 15 and 1 says this, A harsh word stirs up anger, a gentle word turns away wrath. Now, I, I was familiar with many harsh words. I did not know many gentle words. So I knew how anger came because I would say harsh words. And so then I was wondering, why is everybody mad at me? And the guy said, Sam, your tongue is, 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 is messed up. You must learn to speak in love and, and gentleness and hymns and psalms. I said, well, I need to learn some of these. Because I knew the curse words, they were easy to come by. Let's go down the playground. You heard a curse word, a new one. You said it next day. But yet to learn gentleness, to learn the Lord, I had to open up my heart, open up his word, and really meditate on it and decide, so, Lord, how can I have this in me? Gentleness takes time. Tell your name, gentleness takes time. So, so I, I know some of us say, I want to be gentle today, and you're going to try to be gentle. You're going to mess up, and you're going to give up. Don't, don't give up. It takes time. It means that you're able to turn the cheek, and maybe you might take a little bit of time to turn the other cheek, but yet you're going to turn it one day. Gentleness is understanding that in my communication to you, though you're going to say something that's going to hurt me, that might anger me, I will choose not to say hurtful things back, but yet I will choose to forgive. Why is that? Because God has chose me, and he chose me to be holy. And since he chose me to be holy, i got to dress differently. i got to walk differently. i got to talk differently. So I can't be like the world, but i got to be like the only begotten son who died on the cross for me. So i got a choice not to lose my mind. Let's not give excuses to give away what God's freely given to us. Soundness and peace of mind. Gentleness gives you peace. And don't throw away that peace just to prove your point. Many times in our lives that we have peace and comfort and we want to win an argument so we got that one saved. In the back of your mind for that rainy day, break in case of emergency, that you want to throw it out and say, bam, take that. I've been holding that one for a long time. That's not gentle. Gentleness is learning how to communicate, and, 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 and definitely in those who might have been 
counseled or did premarital counsel, maybe going through marital counsel, you might have heard this term about fight fair. Gentleness fights fair. And fighting fair, what, is it, what does that mean? It means this, that every one of us has an issue that we have a problem that we do every day. Whatever it may be, it may, you don't roll the, toilet, the, the, the uh, toothpaste the way they want. You know, you don't replace the toilet paper when you get done. You leave the seat up when you go out. You know, you, you leave the garage door up. You leave the doors all out. Whatever it is you always do when you come home, that's something they can always bring up that lets you know, well, how come you keep on doing that? That's not fighting fair. It's easy to point out somebody's errors and what they're doing wrong. But if you're, if you're really trying to solve something, fighting is for reconciliation, for healing. That's why Galatians 6.1 says, he who is spiritual shall restore the one with gentleness. With gentleness. I'm not trying to point out how bad you are. I'm here to build you up and encourage you so we can have reconciliation and healing. Gentleness, choose to forgive. Choose to be gentle in communication. Choose to reconcile. That's gentle. Because look at what God has done for us. He has reconciled and he chooses. Because if he God could have, he could point out to you every day you come to church how bad you are. But he doesn't do that. Think about it. He wants you to forget about yourself and concentrate on him. He wants you to bless his holy name. And, and that's why we, get a, we find that peace. That he who keeps his, his mind on the Lord, he keeps him in perfect peace. See, God understands that if we're left to keep our mind on ourselves, we're going to do some selfish things. So God is saying, don't look low, but look up. Keep your eyes on me and understand how I want you to be gentle and love. So be gentle in communication. Be gentle in forgiveness. Because look how even God communicates. I like this. And Elijah, in his time of depression, he runs from Jezebel as far south as he can away from God's calling. And the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Even God knew how to reach Elijah. It was not with anger. It was not with fire. It was not with an earthquake, but with a gentle whisper. Think about how when someone's yelling at you, you can yell back or you can just talk back and say, I'm listening to you. I hear you yelling at me and I want to hear what you have to say. I'm listening to you. You're not throwing gas into the fire. Now you're putting water into the fire to bring them down and lower them down. Because if you're, if you're talking low and they're yelling, they can't hear you. So they got to bring their voice down so that they can hear you and communicate back with you if they're trying to have a conversation. God understood Elijah was depressed. Elijah was down and out. And he understood that the only way to build Elijah up was to speak to him and encourage him. Let him know what, Elijah? I'm listening to you. Elijah was so down that he felt that nobody cared. He says, God, Jezebel's killed all your prophets. God's wishes back to him and says, you know, I got 200 on standby. <laughs> she hasn't gotten them all. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you where I got one waiting for you. Elisha, just go and check him out. It's amazing how God knew. Anybody here glad that God knows what you're going through? 
And at times, everybody else might be yelling at you. Everybody else might be firing at you. Everybody else might be, but be pushing you and beating you down. But God is gently saying you and letting you know, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. How, how do you know that God is saying that? Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Let us know, say, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And God said, if they're yours, then they're mine. <laughs> and Jesus says that if you abide in me, I abide in you. Anything you ask of my Father in my name, he will what? Give to you. Anybody here want peace? Just turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your peace. I need your comfort. I need your healing. He is so gentle that it is so comforting. No matter what we have gone through, no matter how dirty we are, how messed up we are, we can go to him and experience his gentleness. That's why Jesus says, come. Jesus knows we need encouragement and uplift from our sin, wrecked life of guilt and condemnation. God is gentle as, in, as in, it is in his spirit. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock in his arms. He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Isaiah 40, 11. Consistently in our text, in our Bible, we see how God is equated to a shepherd. And in our society today, we think shepherd being glorified. But back then, the shepherd was not glorified. It was a low, minuscule task. Who cares for the sheep, these filthy, dirty, dumb animals? But yet the Bible tells us the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. and leads me besides the still waters. This is shepherding terms that a sheep don't know how to find green pastures. Sheep do not know how to find clean water. They'll drink standing still water that is infested and disgusting. They will eat grass so there's no more grass and they'll die of starvation because they don't know where to get grass. But a good shepherd who is gentle, even the sheep that become hurt, he'll lift them up and carry them gently to where there is green pastures. There do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. There's times that they got to walk through cliffs. They might have to walk through shadows and dark, but yet the shepherd has his rod and his staff that, that corrects him. You know what a, a shepherd will do? He'll use the tip of his staff and he'll guide the sheep. He'll put a, the hook on the staff and gently push their necks and say, hey, you got off path. Let me gently bring you back here. But also, we serve a God that's just that sometimes if we get too hard, there's a prick at the end of the stick. He'll prick and let them know you need to get right. But yet he's still gentle, mm. that he gently leads us. He prepares a table for, for me in the presence of my enemies. His cup on my cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy of what? Follow me all the days of my life. Doesn't that sound like a gentle God? That no matter what we're going through, he's looking after us. He's caring for us. And so if God is doing all this for us, how much more should we do what he's called us to do? You must be clothed in righteousness. In gentleness, kindness, humility, meekness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. So what is gentleness? Gentleness is the great love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That while we were yet still sinners, he died on the cross for our sins. Gentleness is that in times of us not knowing how to find green pastures and still waters, the great shepherd is saying, just follow me 
and our leads. Your gentleness is that you are heavy burdened. You are stressed out. You are depressed. You are overloaded with the works and the stress of life. He says, come, all you who are heavy burdened, for my yoke is easy. My burden is like, come and sit under my teeth and find what? Rest for your soul, for I am meek and humble. I close with this one thought about being gentle. God, who created the heavens and the earth by his word, is going to destroy this earth with fire. And yet, in between of creation and as we're waiting for him to come back and to destroy and give us a new heavens and a new earth, he showed us his gentleness in many ways. One way he showed it was when he washed his, the feet of his disciples. He says, you call me master, but yet I serve you. Then we saw him gentle as he was just like a lamb going to the slaughter. Didn't say a mumbling word. Then we saw him that though he was on the cross and they were, they would check this out. Remember, they were mocking him, saying harsh things back to him. He could have lashed back, but yet he was gentle. And he says, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. To one of the criminals, he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. To his mom and his, and, his, and his disciple that he loved, it says, look, mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. Does that sound like a gentle, loving God whose, pus, whose punishment and suffering was for us, but yet he's still concerned for us while he is dying? And they see with gentleness that, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus, that he defeated death by rising from the grave. And exalted right now at the right hand of the Father that we no longer have to know that, oh, death, where is thy sting? Or sin, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is sin. And the last defeat of the, of the last defeat that's thrown into the abyss is what? Is death. So how great is our God? That he's so gentle towards us that we can have everlasting life because he is the good shepherd. I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Can we not just be a little bit more gentle to somebody else? Let us pray. Father, we just thank you.